0: Bring, bring it bring it
1: t- Hello and welcome to the 10th season of the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host Kevin DeVries. Uh, you can find the show at EPL Roundtable or me on Twitter at Kevroff. I'm joined today as we start uh, coverage of the 2023-2024 Premier League season, uh, with a conversation with Jamie Smith, who of course uh, writes and edits and publishes the newsletter for No Nay Never. You can find him on Twitter at Jamie Smith Sport. Because we need to talk about Burnley. We need to talk about the other recently promoted clubs, but but let's stick let's stick with your beloved Burnley. Uh, since we last saw you in the Premier League, you've only gone and won the championship with the fifth most points ever in the competition's history. Obviously, some big changes at the club. But what do you think most led to that historic season?
2: Yeah, it it was it was a crazy one, really. Obviously, like we had the new owners come in, and they were sort of adapting very much in a live situation where we were in danger of relegation, but it wasn't confirmed. And they arguably left it too late to set Sean Dyche, and then we couldn't stay up. And everyone was wondering what the overall plan was after that, and. They basically completely changed the transfer strategy, brought in a lot of young, mainly overseas-based players in Vincent Kompany, a a manager that hadn't done that much in his native Belgium, to be honest, but obviously a really big name in terms of the Premier League, one of the great Premier League defenders, widely regarded as a very smart, empathetic, compassionate man. I think he's, he's sort of qualities as a human are very relevant as well as um, his football knowledge and expertise. And basically the new owners went all in on Vincent and company and it was a, a gamble that paid off quite spectacularly. Like you say, we recorded a lot of points. we should have had more. I think at one point it looked like all the records were in play, but I think it's kind of natural when we essentially had promotion wrapped up maybe January, February. Not mathematically, but it, it was so clear that we were going to be promoted. I think there was a natural easing off in the last three months of the season. But yeah, it, it's been a really wild ride and having to adapt to 12, 13 new players, I think it was. Complete turnover in terms of the squad. The style of play is unrecognisable compared to the Sean Dash days. Some days, honestly, you have to scratch your head and be like, is this still Burnley that we're watching? It's been absolutely crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did also want to touch on on the style shift. You mentioned company coming in, kind of developing a new style, obviously a whole new squad, which we'll get to in a second. But what do you think will be the most surprising element of your style of play uh, from people that'll just remember
2: you from two years ago? Well, probably that we actually pass the ball and keep it on the floor these days, so... <laughs> That would be different for, for people who are used to seeing the the Sean Dash very direct style of player, hitting a big striker. Um, last season, we played with a false nine. Um, and it took Berlin fans probably most of the season to realise that that's what we were doing, um, rather than the striker just wasn't where it was supposed to be. He was playing as a false nine.
1: <laughs> were there people um, still
2: calling for for people to like kick the ball up to him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And... Um, especially with the, the risks that we take building from the back, our goalkeeper, Aro Muric takes a lot of risks and he made some mistakes because when you play risk-taking football, you make mistakes sometimes and it backfires. And early in the season when there were some teething problems, we conceded some very sloppy goals where Muric had given the ball away or there was poor passing out from the back. And a lot of people wanted a shift to a more direct style, less risky. Um, but company stuck to his guns The players got used to it more. Um, And obviously the results spoke for themselves, really. We controlled basically every match. I don't think we were outplayed by anyone apart from the match at Sheffield United that we lost heavily, and that was a real turning point. I think after that match, there was a sense that we had to really tighten up at the back. And the second half of the season, we were just as good defensively as we were in attack, and it was a real complete package. We were running through teams easily. Matches like the Derby at the Turf where we beat Blackburn 3-0, they were supposed to be one of the better teams in the league at the time. We absolutely took them apart. Um, It's just interesting to see now whether we're going to be able to carry on doing that at the higher level or will we see more matches like, and yes, Man City won the treble, but when we went there in the FA Cup, we were really taken apart and it was sort of men against boys, really. So it'll be interesting to see if we can compete at that higher level, albeit not having to play Man City every week, Thank goodness. Although we are playing them first, because of course we are. <laughs> yeah, just just to dampen the excitement a little bit. Um, you mentioned
1: also the the overhaul of the squad, and you also mentioned March and a couple other players there. Um, who were the ones that came in that really shone last season? That you think will also have a big impact on the coming
2: season? Yeah, well, I think I think Murich's impact is is impossible to understand. Really, having a goalkeeper who plays out from the back. We've had outstanding goalkeepers for 10, 12 years, probably. Tom Heaton was very good. Um, Then Nick Pope for a few scenes after that. We've done very well out of our goalkeepers. And the fact that we brought in a young keeper is kind of unproven. He'd been on loan at, uh, I think, Nottingham Forest in the championship, really struggled, lost his place. There was a lot of eyebrows raised when we spent, I think, three million on Murevich. It was significant money, but he's justified it completely to the extent that, me and quite a few other fans are very surprised that we've bought a new goalkeeper. I'm sure we'll come on to James Trafford, but there's debate ongoing now over whether it's going to be Mürich or Trafford in goal for the first game. Um, I'm a big fan of Mürich. I think the fact that he takes so many risks shows extreme levels of confidence. I think you look at all the elite teams in Europe now, they have goalkeepers that play up in the back. You have to be able to do that. I know football comes in cycles, and that might go out of fashion at some point, but right now, you want to be a top team, You need a goalkeeper who's comfortable on the ball. You have to be able to build those attacks from the back. Everyone does it. And if you don't like it, you kind of have to get with the programme now. Um, Jordan Bayer, we had on loan from Gladbach in Germany. It was absolutely outstanding all season. He particularly kicked on. We had another defender on loan, Taylor Howard. Bellis came from Man City. Howard Bellis got injured. And after that, Bayer just steps up massively. Um, he's come back on a permanent deal now I think it's €15 million euros. I think it's going to be one of the bargains of the summer I wouldn't be surprised if Bayer was worth two, three times that in a year's time I think he's going to take the lead by up. he's rapid, he's fantastic on the ball he's strong, he carries the ball out in the back real modern defender does absolutely everything I think people are going to look at this guy and be like why is he at Burnley? he's top class already, he's going to go all the way he's only like 22, Germany under 21 international. Absolutely fantastic. um And then probably the two wide lads, Manuel Benson and Anna Zorori, they had kind of half a brilliant season each. Zorori started the season better, scored some fabulous goals. He scored the winner, I think, at Sunderland in a, a comeback win that was a real marker for our season. We were 2 0 down at half time, came back and won 4 2. Zorori was outstanding like, in that game. Um, and benson who normally plays on the right to rory typically on the left benson finished the season like an absolute train He was just completely unstoppable i think six games in a row he scored almost identical goals the aryan robin goal essentially coming in off the right on his left foot putting it in the top corner it was just becoming silly like you'd get the ball and you're like oh great manuel benson is about to do the manuel benson thing <laughs> Five seconds later, the ball's in the net, and everyone's just like, How is he still doing this? <laughs> um so those two, I think both came from the Belgian League. I think I'm right in saying, same as Josh Cullen. A lot of our signings came from Belgium. Vincent company using his knowledge of the Belgian League. Um and I think Benson's are already similar to Bayer, I think they're gonna be worth multiple what we paid for them, sort of four million, five million euros a piece. I think it was. Absolute bargain, so so good last season.
1: Gotcha. And with kind of all of that context in mind, I want you to settle an age-old debate on this show. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we're entering our 10th year now. This debate's been had plenty of times. Is it better to be relegated from the Premier League, go down to the championship, rack up a bunch of wins, in your case, the title, and come back up, or to continually fight for your Premier League survival year on year?
2: Firstly, 10 seasons. Amazing. Congratulations. Thank Fantastic. you very much. G- um, I think it's almost impossible to answer because a lot of people have this argument forgetting that you can get relegated and not come back. There's so mm. many teams get relegated and think they're going to have this one season holiday in the championship, winning loads of games, going to new grounds, going to places like Burton that they've probably never been to and win loads of games and win the league and come back. It doesn't always happen. Leeds spent 16 years outside the Premier League And now back in the championship, it's not necessarily a holiday. It's easy for me as a Burnley fan to sit here and be like, oh yeah, we had six, seven seasons in the Premier League. It got a bit boring. We were scrapping every season. Got (laughs) really Had a fantastic year in the championship. Come back up. It's great. There's no guarantees. Lots of teams go down and don't come back up or they find it difficult. I think it's... When you're a club like Burnley, I think the best you can probably hope for is treading water in the Premier League. We had that one season, we finished seventh, got in the Europa League, and that was as good as it got. It was almost too much success for us because the following season, we found it so hard to balance domestic commitments with European games. The schedule was stretched. We didn't have enough players. to. We were spread too thin, basically, that season. That sort of started the rot in that we didn't prepare for, for that season. We really struggled after that. Um, but then I guess you look at teams like Brighton and Brentford and they're making it work, right, on not the biggest budgets. So I think if you're really smart with recruitment, then you maybe can push on. Um, so it's worked great for us at the moment, although there's every chance we get relegated again. I think it's it's difficult because, like I say, you can get relegated and there's no guarantees you're coming back. I think Leicester are a really good example of a team who Leicester fans are probably thinking, oh, great, we'll have a year in the championship and come back doesn't always work out that way yeah
1: and, and the team that's coming back up with you Sheffield United is a club that was probably considered in that group of like Brentford and maybe maybe not as much Brighton because of how high they've reached recently but they're you know pretty well run coming back up with you but uh, before we get there uh, you mentioned uh, some new signings you had a very good goalkeeper last season you've already brought in another one any other uh, new faces coming in for this season?
2: Yeah, so we spent significant money on James Trafford. I think it's been reported to be £15 million, which for a goalkeeper is extraordinary, really. Um, But it was sort of reported that it was being done in the middle of the under-21 Euros, which were played this summer, England won them, and Trafford saved a penalty in the final. So immediately people got very excited about James Trafford. Um, But he's not played above League One. So it's going to be a really big jump. I suspect Murich might start the season. And if he makes a high profile mistake, Trafford will then get in. Um it's going to be a difficult one for company to manage. Um there's a new striker we've signed from the Swiss League, Am Dooney. Um looks very good on YouTube, but who doesn't? <laughs> Bayer's come in permanently, which is arguably the most important signing. I think he's crucial. I wouldn't be surprised if he was captain a lot this season, actually, because Jack Court, the club captain, might not play that much. Um, Nathan Redmond's come on a free transfer. It's quite an interesting one. Obviously, Premier League fans will know the name Redmond, even though he was away in Turkey last season playing for the Sigtas, I think. And a couple of others whose names have escaped me already. We've been busy-ish, but I think at the start of the summer, I would have said left-back and central midfield were the two positions that we really needed to address. And we haven't signed a left-back or a central midfielder yet. So I'm a little bit worried that we haven't done that yet. Um, I think the situation at left-back is basically waiting on Chelsea. And there's probably a lot of clubs waiting to see what happens at Chelsea. We had Ian Matson on from Chelsea last season. He was fantastic. I'm sure we'd love to get him back. Matson wants to fight for his place at Chelsea, even though they've got Ben Chilwell. Um, it seems likely that Matson will extend his Chelsea contracts and go out on loan again, but not necessarily to us. So I think we're waiting on that Matson situation. Been linked with some midfielders, including Lukonga, the Arsenal guy. I think some power in midfield would be a real must. So that seems to be the thing that we're really missing. We seem to be signing lots and lots of wingers. Um, we've signed Jacob Brun Larson from the Bundesliga, who had played under company at Anderlecht, signed an Italy under-19 international, who also plays out wide. I'm not sure how many wings Turf Moore is going to have this season, but we certainly don't have enough players to play on them. Uh, so I think we've <laughs> got about six or seven players who can play out wide. And Andros Townsend has been on trial and keeps yeah. coming on as list. trialist. I don't think the club's officially acknowledged that he's on trial um, but has been very good in pre-season and looks like he's probably earned the contract so Andros Times and Nathan Redmond both on freeze will be good business lots of Premier League experience Times and missed all of last season injured didn't he but it still looks like he's got a bit of ability about him so it's been a real mix of experience and youth and that's going to be something that we're going to need because it, it is quite a young team
1: Yeah I, I am very much hoping that you do
2: sign Beg- Oh Yeah <laughs> Which, hashtag um, like a new signing <laughs> yeah unfortunately <laughs> um yeah it's a, it's a funny one bagos
0: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Because obviously we got relegated, he made it very public that he wanted to go. We had this understanding that he was going to be allowed to leave if we got relegated. A lot of it was because of his international career where Louis van Harwood, Essentially told him that if he was going to be in the championship, he wouldn't go to the World Cup. So he had to force through his move and then obviously scored the two goals in the World Cup. So it worked. And he went to Manchester United and played a lot of games for them and didn't really do much. Um, But as it stands, he's back. Um, I don't know if it's a lack of interest or we're waiting for a bigger fee. I don't know what it is, but at the moment, reintegrating Vegas is going to be something companies going to have to do. And that's going to be one to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, especially if the nature of your striker position has changed to more of a false nine, which he is, uh, maybe not.
2: Um, No, he's a false footballer, not a false nine. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: And yeah, just the one resounding Premier League goal for for Manchester United. So maybe not the best advertisement of his wares. Although you said, you know, World Cup performances do tend to... uh, cause people's valuations to soar. So either you'll get money or you'll have a striker. You know, there are worse things. And I do hope that you sign at least the central midfielder because I need at least one more Burnley social media signing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How yeah,
2: do- the videos, I think we started doing those last summer. And obviously we're in the championships. so not that many people noticed, but we've carried on doing them this year and they seem to get a lot of attention. I feel a bit like a grumpy old man, but I'm aware they're not really for me. I don't even watch them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, tell me who the player is. I don't care about the video. Just tell me who the player is. Um, No, but Jamie,
1: it's it's Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference that's actually a (laughs) boy band (laughs)
2: reference one of my favourite Brooklyn Nine Nine cold open. so yeah, that one was good. I'll give them that one.
1: <laughs> I was gonna ask like if fans generally love them or don't love them. This is more like a brand separate from like Burnley's, you know, fan culture.
2: Yeah, I think it's it. there's a split, isn't it? I mean, I I consider myself too online, really. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can imagine people who don't really go on the internet much at all and just don't get it at all. But I think it does tie into it's funny, isn't it, because ultimately it's just Twitter and everyone knows what's going on with Twitter at the minute. By the time the show goes out, Twitter might have ceased to exist. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just Twitter, so it doesn't really matter. But I think it does play into what the new owners have said from the start what they want to do. They want to make Burnley an underdog, a small club that people root for. Um, and I don't know if many of your listeners have seen that um, – The new investment that's come in from the NFL guy, J.J. Watt, seems to be promoting Burnley very heavily on social media. So I think the plan is that he sort of helps to build Burnley's profile. Maybe we're going to try and get some of that and love from American audiences. There's a documentary coming out that's going to be on British TV. I don't know if it's going to be on. I think it's going to be on Sky Sports here. So they're clearly doing things to try and build the profile of the club. Um, and things like the stupid signing announcements plays into that. I think they get some sort of millions of impressions and views and things on Twitter. So that presumably is important somehow. I don't know. <laughs> gotcha
1: Gotcha. Uh, you bring up J.J. Watt. Just reminded me, I almost tweeted you yesterday, a random Burnley appears um, because T.J. Watt, obviously his brother, star player for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was watching all the entrances to training camp which just started for NFL teams, and he was wearing a Burnley hat. And it took me a little too long to connect those dots. I was like, why the hell is TJ Watt opening training camp in a Burnley hat? But that's why, because yeah. his brother came well, into ownership. Team.
2: So Malcolm Jenkins, another former NFL player, yeah. has been the uh, for a couple of years now uh, without anything like the same sort of public push. I don't think it's been announced how much or what state Either Jenkins or the Watt family. I should say the Watt family because it seems to be JJ and his his wife are in it together. It's very much a family investment thing, um, and they've played up a lot of the the women's football side. They want to have investment in the women's game as well, and we've got a new manager. It looks like we're really going to push for promotion on the women's side this season as well. Um, but JJ Watt is basically acting as a cheer as a cheerleader for the club right now. So it, it's clear that he's got a big part to play in getting the Burnley name out there. And, I suspect that there's going to be a lot more American neutrals who are rooting for Burnley simply because they know J.J. Watt and they know J.J. Watt's involved in the club and that gives them that sort of connection to the club. Yep yep Um,
1: with some of those new signings with kind of the new uh, owners again um, what do you think Burnley fans expectations are heading into the season do you think it's just to be safe, do you think you'll be able to kind of ride that enthusiasm from last season, or like you said, do you think opening with City might
2: might kind of call that pretty quickly? I think it's difficult. Um, and after the City game, we were supposed to play Leiston away, and they've just postponed that because their grounds not ready. So we're basically going to play Man City at home. No expectations for that game, and then we'll have a weekend off. So there's every chance we're going to be in the relegation zone early, which is suboptimal I think we can say um, but I think generally fans are trying to take their cue from company who is saying things like we're not aiming just for 17th. we don't want to put a ceiling on what the team can do because um, I think it is dangerous if you're a manager and you come in and you immediately you're like we just want survival and you're sort of in a bunker straight away and you're scrapping for points all the time, I think we want to make an impression I think we will be committed to our style. It won't always work. It'll probably backfire against better teams that press us just as ferociously as we press them. We won't be able to play through teams as easily as we did in the championship. Um, but I think there's an expectation that some of our extremely talented individuals will shine. I think Anna Sorori had a quiet second half of the season, like I say, after he'd been at the World Cup with Morocco, which was obviously an amazing story, even though I think he only played in the the third-place game. Um, I think Zorori's got the individual quality to last up the Premier League. Manuel Benson, the same. He's going to score the Arjen Robbins slash Manuel Benson goal a few times and people are going to be like, whoa, who's this guy? Um, and Jordan Baer, I think he's absolutely cut out for the Premier League. So I think we've got the individual quality. It's a question of whether we can fill those gaps in the squad, left-back and central midfield whether we have a regular goal scorer, even though last season we really did spread the goals out. Um, Nathan Teller, who I've not mentioned, there's a lot of talk about him potentially coming back from Southampton, but there seems to be arguing over the fee. So that's one to keep an eye on over the next few weeks. But I think there's excitement. It's completely different. Like we touched on before, going into a season when you've just had a great season and you've got the momentum compared to if you were fighting for points and to write the second half of the season, it was just a slog and having to watch Aston Villa games or whoever just to see if you were going to get a favour from mm-hmm. someone else every weekend just being stressful. Um, so it's been quite nice to be away from that. And I think, to be honest, if you've looked at the Premier League for the last two, three seasons, there's been bad teams who've not gone down. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think there's any reason why we can't stay up, but you never really know. I think it, the priest's going to be in the pudding and it's, it's a case of whether the new style and the tactics the company wants to work, whether they can work at the higher level.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you aren't the only ones that are going to have to face that particular issue. Obviously Sheffield United and Lutontown both coming up with you um, as somebody that was at least uh paying more attention to the championship than probably most people are sitting right now. What did you make of their seasons and did they have any players that you think people should kind of keep an eye on, whether as neutrals or fantasy players or whatever?
2: I think it's difficult to pick out individuals. I think both Sheffield United and Luton were different to us in a way that this seems to be really about the collective. Um, our tactical systems hard to explain because it is, We're a systems team, I think, which means it doesn't really matter who scores because we'll always create chances. But we did rely on individual quality in moments. And I'm not sure Sheffield United and Luton did that in the same way. I think Luton have maybe got a better chance, even though everyone seems to just be assuming they're going to go down because they've got that factor of being completely new. No one has really experienced what it's going to be like to be going to the Luton, where the fans are really on top of you. Um, They've got that crazy entrance to the away end where you basically walk through someone's back garden to get into the ground. Um, And it's going to be a real culture shock for a lot of players who just aren't used to that sort of surroundings. It's it's like going to an FA Cup title, a lower league team, that kind of situation. So I think that kind of... The real home advantage for Luton, I think it's going to be a massive factor Sheffield United, I think, might find it trickier. And I say that as as a Burnley fan, and they were one of the few teams to beat us last season. So I'm not saying they're a bad team. They're a very good team. I just think they're a bit more of a known quantity, having just been in the Premier League like ourselves, but without the complete change in style. Um, but ultimately, like we won the league by about 100 points. So clearly, uh, we've got a much better chance than Luton you know, or Sheffield United. That just seems like a real <laughs> to say, right? Um, but like I said also, I think, I think there's a lot of mediocre teams in the Premier League, so I'd love to see them both stay up, to be honest. I think the Premier League can do with some more fresh blood rather than the teams who are just sort of finishing 12th, 13th, 14th every year. Yeah, I mean, that
1: is one I of is, the exciting things. for example,
2: what, what great loss would it be to the Premier League if Crystal <laughs> Palace got relegated? It would be a, a big loss for the, the show, since we have two Palace guests. But. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jay, but what a Palace form. <laughs> like, what's the point of the Palace?
1: Yeah, well, that's. I'm just curious, because that's kind of in juxtaposition to one of the points you were making during the relegation conversation, which is, isn't it of value to continually fight for your Premier League life and at least be at that level, rather than potentially getting relegated and being stuck there forever?
2: Yeah, well, we're getting a bit off the subject, aren't we? But I think Palace are a good example of <laughs> A team that tried to do something different. They had the Patrick Vieira thing. They invested heavily in young players. And as soon as they had a sniff of being in trouble, they got rid of him and junked the project. And Roy Hodgson, of all people, came (laughs) in and started playing amazing attacking football. And he's now going to do another year there. So, yeah, I don't mind Palace. I want nothing against them. I just think they're an example of a Premier League team. who's kind of treading water. They're not really aspiring to do anything more than finish 12-13, maybe have a cup run. They don't even have Wolf Zaha, the hometown hero, anymore. I just don't really understand the purpose of football Palace. <laughs> um, gotcha. And I think if we finish above Palace, we'll have had a very good season. Fair. Um, you already
1: mentioned Burnley, obviously. Uh, Favourites to uh, stay up of the three. But on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rank Burnley and Sheffield United's and Luton's chances of staying in the Premier League this year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I haven't even looked at like the bookmaker odds or anything because it seems like we're always going to be among the favourites to go down, and it's, it's fair because no one knows how it's going to work for us this season. I think if we get the left-back and central midfielder that we need, maybe like a 7, a 7 out of 10 chance to stay up. But at the moment, I'd maybe say 5 or 6 because I do think those are two really important positions to fix. Looking at the other two, I think Luton maybe four or five I think that home factor will help them pick up points at home I can see them being a bit like Brentford in that there's a bit of oh this is really new and players aren't really unsure of how to handle it Um, Sheffield United I don't want to pick on them too much but I think they will probably yo-yo and that's going to be them for the foreseeable so I, I don't really see them staying up I don't know anything about the players I've signed they might be amazing I just had a look at the names, and it's not people I know, to be honest. Mm. Um, so i would say probably a three for Sheffield United. Sorry, Sheffield United fans. It's coming back to me when you finish eight. <laughs> All the Sheffield United and Crystal Palace fans are coming for you after this one.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> just looking at the odds real quick, it looks like Luton, Sheffield United, Bournemouth are the three odds to go down, and then you're tied with Nottingham Forest um after that so hey not in the bottom three currently as we record from the one website i'm looking
2: at <laughs> yeah i mean like our start to the season it's it, uh, city at home i think you can throw that one out and it'll just be a case of damage limitation i mm-hmm. imagine and then the fact that we don't play the weekend after means that we're immediately catching up um uh, so I think those odds will probably change if we are as expected in the bottom three after two yeah. weekends, because we'll be a game behind. And there's no indication of when that winning game is going to be played at the moment.
1: Yep, for sure. And games in hand aren't points, as we all know. Um, but don't let that dampen your enthusiasm, Burnley fans. Obviously coming off an incredible season. Uh, not one of the three current <laughs> odds on favorites to go down. JV, um, if you want to tell folks where they can find you or anything you're working on, now be a good time.
2: Yeah, sure. Pleasure to be back as always. Looking forward to another season with the pod. Um, you can get more of my stuff via Substack. Uh, the newsletter is supposed to come out every Monday. I haven't read one for a while, but I am planning to do one soon. It's called the No Near Never Newsletter. I tend to promote that on social media as well. You can follow my Twitter at Jamie Smith Sport. While Twitter is still. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll start telling you our blue sky links or whatever <laughs> Come week three of the season. Yeah. cool well jamie an absolute pleasure having you back on today having you back on the show for the coming season and uh folks at home we hope you keep listening